0: Welcome back to Round 12, the podcast that will always be dedicated to growth, development, and motivational mastery. I am your host, Sensei Roger B. Hamilton. Thank you for joining us again today for another episode of the Round 12 podcast series. Let's go get it. Teachers watching students grow. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I must say, I am very pleased today to invite a special guest, who I've known for quite a few years and who has presented himself to me as now a full grown man, but I knew him when he was smaller. And the fact is, the fact that he's here now uh, in such a state standing at six foot Three. three inches tall and a grand gentleman, it gives me great pleasure to introduce um, a previous and current student in my martial arts environment, and a very good friend and good young man, Mr. Garrett Sullivan. Garrett, How you doing? welcome to the program, sir. <laughs> appreciate you. <laughs> yeah, appreciate you, too. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Really love being on here. Thank you. Thank I you. know. Well, it's an interesting time for us because you formerly lived here in California. And now you live in Oregon. Is that right? Uh, Oregon, Eugene, yes. Uh, Eugene, Oregon, huh? You gotta say it backwards, I guess. You gotta say Oregon, Eugene up there, huh? Yeah, I gotta say where it's from. Not many Eugenes in the States.
1: Exactly.
0: (laughs) Well, I have to tell you, um, as I said, I'm very pleased that you're here. Um, But most importantly, I'm very pleased that your life is moving in a direction that's positive and eventful for you. So, really, all I wanna do is. You know, take a few minutes and, you know, share this experience with the world of how we've known each other and some of the things we've uh, experienced together. And let's just talk about how they've helped us grow and develop. You know, this this uh, podcast is about motivational mastery and growth and development and moving in the right direction. And I think you can help me make a, a point to the to the audience at large of what that means. I'll definitely try my best. So the first I would ask is how i known you now how long has it been let's oh see if you can search your mind a little bit you met me when i was a nappy
2: head little kid going to dallas ranch middle school oh. uh, i believe i met you in sixth grade i was going to another school at the time and aaron's mom had met you in the office and from there she had told my mom uh that she was signing up her boys for karate and that's how I met you. I visited for one class. You were a super awesome teacher, super positive. I just felt at home. And when I went home, I told my mom, I was like, can we go tomorrow? Can we go tomorrow? And my mom was just like, you just went there. You don't know how it is. We still got a month at the other place. I was like, can, can we quit? Can I go to train with sensei?
0: <laughs> Before you were my sensei, you were my sensei. That's the uh, way I look at it. Man, that's great to know. So I think that would take us back to somewhere around... 2005 or
2: somewhere i say 2006 yeah Mm -hmm. 2006 is
0: official so we've known each other a little while yeah you were there for most of my childhood (laughs) (laughs) well tell me something you know because there's lots of different discussion now about what martial arts is or is not And I think many people have a confusion about, you know, what it really means to be a martial artist. And now you hear a lot of talk about MMA and et cetera and fighting and screaming and being the winner, et cetera. And I always thought of it as a little more expansive than that, a little more internal, um, something that you could depend on to help your life grow and and be a positive experience, not just beat another guy. Well, tell me what you think uh, your experiences. Um, were at first, and then where you are now in the perception of martial arts?
1: I have
2: to say I'm not one of those cloud fighters. I've never been about the win. I've never been about the loss. I've been more for the student-teacher relationship and the teaching of martial arts. Because to me, it's an actual art form. More people look at it as just fighting, beating the next guy up. Oh, you beat him, this, that, and the other. It has nothing to do with that Back. During the time when they were practicing the martial arts, it was life or death. And for it to be this beautiful art form now that we cherish it as we do, I just feel to be a good martial artist, to be really a good martial artist is you have to have self-discipline. You have to want to wake up in the morning and be like, yeah, I want to go get it. And as simple as that, most people don't do it. And the fact that if you do do it, that's a good for you. That's already a head start. And you don't have to beat the next person. What brought me to karate was the fact that I can find myself through body, physical form, uh, physical moving, and the thought process. There's a real science to it. And not many people look at the science behind it. They just think it's just bare knuckles. And it has more to do with spirituality. I feel like I've learned more about my mental than I ever learned about
0: my physical. The physical was always there. Wow. Yeah, I told you well, Grasshopper. <laughs> you did. No, man, let me tell you something. I, I learned as much teaching you folks as I did um, doing anything else in my life. Well, honestly, it was a really positive experience and still is in many ways. So do you think that 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 awareness that you just expressed, do you think that transfers to other things that people do? Like if you are into sewing or if you're into golf or if you're in do you think that there is a sort of a a mental and emotional capacity to that kind of stuff too? Absolutely. I really do
2: feel not just karate, but just any art form that involves you to get up in the morning and, you know, do something that you're not watching TV or you're not cooking yourself something to eat. You're actually getting out, going outside and doing physical exercise. Your body needs to be outside. We we're bred now to be inside, but I enjoy the sunlight. I enjoy getting out. I enjoy, you know, that physical exercise that you get, that reward. It's uh, rewiring your rewards Instead of buying that new shoe, maybe work on yourself, you know, sit down, think about what you want as for not what you want material wise, but what you want for yourself. And more people find out that working out helps. And I really agree with that working out from playing golf, from bowling, as long as you're not sitting on a couch.
0: That's an interesting perception, because our last episode, we talked about the idea of physical fitness still being a valuable component to what our lives is right it is i mean you i mean listen there's nothing wrong with staying fit no the staying fit is a good thing however we're not trying to convince the whole world that they need to convert their lives into something else no. but if you're interested and you feel that it's a good thing then you should pursue it no question definitely i
2: feel you can get a lot of just benefits from doing something like as for walking going around the park for a day you know Or just spending more time with friends and going and doing activity. I've got to say, Oregon has taught me to step outside of my normal box and experience the world. And I really love that.
0: God's country.
2: Yeah, it really is. Fishing, farming, and shooting guns.
0: (laughs) Wow, that's crazy. So let me also reflect a little bit with us and tell me. So do you think that that training regimen that I gave you, was it hard? Yeah. Wait a minute, you said that too fast, man. Absolutely. But, uh, wait a minute. Well, <laughs> since then, I feel like you trained us like the military on the low. Well, how, how did that translate to benefit for you? Was there any fun in there, or was it just intensely difficult? Or just give me a perception of what that felt like. Every time we had to do
2: something that we didn't want to do, I always had fun doing it. And it's so funny because, like, me and Aaron, we used to be like, oh man, we got to do this today. And Aaron be like, eh, it's not that bad. We'll get through it and then we'll get to the fun stuff. And we still be going through a three hour <laughs> workout. Like, so where's the fun stuff? <laughs> doing push ups. All right, do push ups again. We got to get this right until we get it right. That's what you always used to
0: tell us. Uh, that is true, sir. That is true.
2: But you I know, loved it.
0: I now, know. Know. here's the thing. If you were dying in my class, what has to happen next? <laughs> you can be dying, but don't be dead. You know? That's what I'm saying. That you was can like be dying, but don't be dead. That was like me and Aaron's
2: slogan for the last two years <laughs> when we were training with you. It we was just like you can be dying, but don't be dead. <laughs> uh,
0: as soon as we get that, we go right back to Super Saiyan. Super Saiyan, I like that. No, but honestly speaking, Um, I find that every memory I have of teaching those classes and being involved with you guys was as inspiring for me as it may have been for you. Trust me on that, because I'm watching human development right in front of me. And I tell you, there was no grander place for me to be than to be there with you guys, giving you some little piece of me so that we can move forward. So trust me, no But you did something for me along the way, too. I appreciate that. Thank you. And you've mentioned Aaron a couple times here already in our broadcast. And so who's Aaron?
2: Uh, Aaron's my best friend. Hands down, that's my brother. That's my homie until I die. If anything goes wrong, I call Aaron up. That's like, that's, if we had to put it into a joke, I'm Sonic, he tells. And he would always go back and forth with me. But He's a really great fighter. He's actually the one who brought me back to karate, and he's even taught me some things. If anything, Aaron's a good senpai to me. He's taught me really well. Aaron's always been a good person, and as for a fighter, he's been an extraordinary fighter. I have nothing negative to say unless I want to see his fist.
0: <laughs> uh, well, you qualified because uh, both as students of HMA, I'm proud to say that I work with you both. But you were a great team. Uh, you seemed to complement each other greatly. You came to class together. You left together. You were good friends as well. And I don't think there's any better story of cooperation than you two presented. And I'm really, again, happy to say that I was involved.
2: There was like a friendly rivalry between me and him. And that was nice because, you know, when he learned something, I was able to learn it. And then right after that, we go right back and forth trying to learn each other's skills. I remember when I first got the jump spinning hook kick and he was just like, oh. He went home and practiced it. He really just went home and practiced it until he got it the next day. And then I was just like, OK, Aaron, I see you. We practiced moves together on and off the um, on and off the field. And it really didn't matter to us because we had fun doing it. It was great expressing ourselves in body movement, but also great expressing ourselves once we learned something that one of us couldn't do.
0: Crazy. Well, you know, there's 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 a healthiness to competition in some ways, too, when done there properly. Is. We know that, right? There is. You know, number low, like we used to say, the exact way, right?
2: There shouldn't be any, like, bad blood after that because yeah. we're all going for the same goal. That's how I looked
0: at it. Exactly right. Now, you mentioned earlier, actually, in a conversation before we started this broadcast about how it was different. It was a different chain training environment than what people think. What, what did you mean by that? That it was it was different than what people may
2: perceive karate to be. So, I have to, I'm not undermining any other dojos by any means, but when it comes down to it, there's certain dojos that just do pra- pass you through. And I remember being on my white belt for the longest time. I remember <laughs> I was on my white belt for almost a year. <laughs> and I remember when I got that first stripe, you couldn't tell me I got a first stripe. I felt like a black belt that day. <laughs> I felt so good just to earn that one stripe. And then when I earned my next belt, I felt accomplished. Like I finished something, I was getting to a goal. And every step of the way, it was a nice milestone to the ultimate goal to end up becoming a teacher myself and becoming a black belt master. And watching you, watching Omar, watching Ali, watching Aaron, seeing all of them go through their progression, even the Nunleys it was great because I felt like I was with them during their test. And I felt like I was with them in spirit while they were going through it, other than, you know, actually being in participating in the test. But it was a milestone for me when I saw them. And yeah, that really affected me. That makes me want, it makes me
0: want to do better. Really? That really touches me. Well, you know, I had done uh, a broadcast earlier and talked about the mastermind principle. And the mastermind principle is simply two or more minds working in harmony toward a common goal. Um, and effectively, I think that what you're mentioning right now has that sound to it. The idea that it wasn't just one mind in the room, excuse me, multiple minds in the room. It was almost one mind that everybody was borrowing from. Would that make
2: sense to you? you yes, you definitely taught me teamwork. Team without, without HMA, I definitely would not have the teamwork skills. I preferred working by myself. Even in school, I prefer working by myself hma taught me how to not only be a leader but also show people how to become leaders and that's different because most people think to be a good leader you have to do things all over your all by yourself but to really be a good leader is to show people how to fend for themselves and then allow giving them the skills that you know without withholding knowledge and letting them do whatever they can with it
0: great just really really great i think this is really in line with the message we're trying to deliver here with this podcast. This isn't uh, Joe Blow and his pod podcast just talking about any old topic. I really want the world at large to find something from this that helps them be stimulated to move forward and, to, and to, to grow from all the experiences in their life, but to have a good perception of what's important and what's valuable. You know, Talking about what's important and what's valuable for us, You know, one of the things that you had shared with me some years back now is that you wanted to win the grand championship at a tournament. (laughs) You you wanted to accomplish that and get that that feather in your cap. (laughs) And then I'm going to post on our photo of this podcast as the marketing, a picture of you winning your grand championship. Thank you. But talk to us about what that felt like moving to that great accomplishment. It was funny because up until the point
1: where
2: I got it, I was working so hard to be like the best. I wanted to get like everyone in the Bay Area to know my name. Like I really wanted the clout at first. And then the more that I won, the more that I realized it wasn't about the winning. It was about the fights. It was about the memories. It was about the people that I met during the tournaments. Everyone is super positive And having that positivity just back you up. Who cares about the fight? Who cares about the merchandise? Who cares about all the materials there's so much spiritual, there's so much positivity in just martial artists here in the Bay Area and all over the country. It's just a wonderful thing to be in the culture. Hmm. Ra
0: praise. You know, you are dropping some science today because this is really true. And again, I mentioned alternate activities earlier. It doesn't matter what activity you're involved in. If you can care about what you do and you can like it and maybe even love it, and then transmit that joy in whatever you do in your life every day. It's a beautiful thing. So it is. hats off to you. you, know, <laughs> it, off to you it really lives. feels like I train
2: when I do karate. It doesn't feel like I'm working out. It feels like I'm trying to better myself mm-hmm. every step of the
0: way. And I love it. Well, I'm going to transition now because I think you're a great candidate to talk about some other issues, too, like life growth and development, you know, because you're you're sounding like a person who has come to terms with some things and gotten to know himself and maybe even taken personal inventory and and it sounds like you like yourself and that matters I do love myself but (laughs) along the way it can be confusing for a young brother right you happen to be an african-american male there's a lot of choices to make in this world you haven't been raised by your mother and your father was around earlier and you learned a, long, a lot of things along the way. Um, I'd like to ask you, just, I don't know, for, for the for the help and edification of other people, tell us how important it was for you, I'm sorry to say, to have to lose your father along the way. And what did that do? Um, what did that do to you first? It definitely
2: changed my perspective. Uh... I definitely felt different after my father left. It didn't really hit me until a year afterwards, when I started looking for family members that weren't really there anymore. And then I started branching out, you know, a normal kid tries to get in trouble. And I was definitely looking for the attention that I already had. If I just would have asked my grandma or my mom, they definitely would explain things to me. But being a hard headed kid, you don't really look at that. And then You try to have a chip on your shoulder. I mean, the best thing is to get rid of that chip and try to look for something better on the other side, because the pain is only, what is it that you used to say? The pain is only just temporary. It doesn't last, and whatever doesn't break you definitely makes you stronger. Pain is an unnecessary hindrance. It is. It definitely is. But with my father dying, I had to learn definitely how to be a man quicker, I had to stop making such decisions, you know, that can actually impede my family. I couldn't be the cheerful little kid anymore. I definitely had to buckle down and help my mom. There were times where, you know, I had to tell my friends, you know, I can't hang out. I got to go help my mom. She needs help or else I'm not going to have a roof over my head. But out of that, it definitely developed me to be stronger. And I appreciate that. Out of 15 years old, I knew how to pay bills. That's pretty freaking dope. (laughs) Like, I remember one of my buddies used to tell me, he was just like, wow, you paying bills? And I'm just like. Yeah, this is not normal for you. <laughs> it's just like, no, this is not normal. I thank my mom for all the lessons that she gave me. I thank from I thank my dad for all the lessons that he passed down to me. And I promise myself too that, you know, just because my father isn't around doesn't mean my family isn't around. And inside that makes me feel better. Even though I don't have my dad, I do occasionally speak to the spirits and say, you know, Dad, I hope you're watching me, look over me and the things that I do and the decisions that I make. But Having him around and not having him around definitely made a difference in my life, but I didn't let it affect me. I didn't let it affect me in a negative way. I'd never try to hold a chip on my shoulder, try to treat everybody with great positivity. And one thing that I suggest everyone to do, if you have your mom or your dad, no matter what, even if they piss you off, just tell them that you love them and let it go. Let it go. That is the best thing.
0: Well, you know that I lost my father early too. And I understand this experience. And I think that sharing it with people is not lamenting and feeling like, you know, the world is a terrible place. But it's it's fostering wisdom and, and trying to help others to so that they don't have to walk around in the kind of pain that you know you had and et cetera. So I'm going to ask you something that may be challenging to express, and it's, it's the real deal, but I think others can benefit. And I, I think maybe it can let the air out of tires for you, you know, perhaps. Um, It's important for people to know that that other people understand, you know, maybe uh, if you expressed about how maybe your father wasn't living with you for a while Mm -hmm. and then he was about to pass away and he called you. And when he called me at first, I didn't know
2: really what to do or what to say, because I was so just taken back by it. And my grandma gave me the best advice that anybody can tell me. I still remember these words like they're burning. She told me that only you in this world can make your own decisions. From there on, nobody can make those decisions for you. So understand that you can say no and understand that you can say yes, but each of those have a consequence and none of them are are gonna make any difference unless you make that choice. You can't let anyone make those choices for you. And I listened to that. And when my father was on his deathbed calling me, I did refuse that call. And it wasn't because I refused because I was angry or anything like that. I may have been a little bit torn up, but I wasn't angry. I was more sad because my reality was crumbling. My dad wasn't in my life. And that was like the ultimate decider. This is it. This is your dad's last time that you may speak to him. And it really did impact me because I didn't believe it for a full year. For a full year, I went oblivious like my dad existed and he was just okay. And it's weird that the psyche just plays tricks on you because you think that what you think may not always be what's true. But I definitely I definitely tell people that if you go through the similar situation that I go through, please, by all means, tell people that you love them. Just let them know the little things really do count. The details really do count. That's
0: really what makes life worth living. Listen, it is very, very good of you to share that with us. And I didn't do that by accident because the the challenge and the difficulty and the pain involved in such a thing is important to get through you know there are it's said that it's been said that there's five stages of grief yes you know in that grieving process and anger and denial are part of the top two yes and they're really important for people so if anybody's out there and you having trouble with these kind of transitions please express it yes yes please
2: express it it's 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 needed as much as a you think emotions make you weak or anything like that, but they actually make you stronger because the man that cries doesn't mean he's weak. That means he's able to shed that emotion, you know, get that weight off of him so he doesn't
0: have to carry it. The man that carries the weight is really the one in pain. There you go, bro. There you go. Oh. And I feel the same way. You and I are on the same page on this. You know that. And uh, as, as you know, as a friend, as a teacher to a student, as man to man, I want to thank you for sharing that because it's, it's powerful. You. Uh, this kind of uh, information uh, for the world at large so thank you very much can I just thank you for
2: allowing me to express that that's it's really good that people need to hear that too because sometimes I was that struggling boy I didn't know how to express myself my mom was angry at my dad they had their own little beef going on it's not like they hated each other it's just the fact of the matter it's like that's her husband dying What what is she to do she's feeling her emotions and you feel your emotions but it's best that people sit down and talk. Just go ahead and talk it out, hash it out, let everything be up in the air and, you know, where it may be, it may be, but
0: at least it was said. I agree very much and that doesn't make mom wrong doesn't. or dad right or vice versa. It's no. just people trying to correspond with each other's feelings and desires and, and... And understand. Exactly. And the challenges they have before them and it is what it is. And now, uh, you know, there's that segue into the next point of interest that I would share is that so... Conversely, what was it like being raised by your mother the, uh, the rest of the way? Was it super easy and just a piece of cake? And, uh, and, and was yeah. there anything to learn there?
2: No, nah, it wasn't super easy. I definitely had my struggles. My mom definitely made my life easier, though. I would say that my mom taught me very good life skills that school didn't teach me. I was in school already knowing how to pay bills. I was already in school knowing somewhat how to do taxes. My mom taught me actually a great amount of stuff that normal high school doesn't even teach. I was knowing stuff in uh, elementary school that my mom, because she's a teacher, she taught me when I was a very young age. So I definitely thank my mom for all the wisdom that she shared with me. And she always loved to share more wisdom with me and me and her converse back and forth. I love talking to my mom. I definitely am so glad that my mom was around to raise me. I also thank God for my grandma, too, because without my grandma, definitely my mom, my mom has her ways and I definitely have mine. We butt heads sometimes and my grandma was there to keep us all in check.
0: Really, really good. And I remember your grandmother, too. I met her and just fell in love with her. That Jersey girl that she was. Yeah. I love that lady. I miss my grandma. I met her in an instant. We got along. It was quite spunky, that lady. And she respected you highly. She was the one who said my grandma
2: told me she was just like, as long as you're training with that man, you will be fine. And she did not mind. mind. She would. I needed money for gloves. I remember she hooked me up. She was just like, whatever it is, as long as you're training with that man, I like him. And my grandma didn't like very many people. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good idea.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Well, I mentioned your mom because we don't want to put her on the spot. We, we love her and we feel that. Absolutely. Without her, you wouldn't be here. But I was raised by a single mom, too. And there are challenges that go with it. Right, and those challenges sometimes can be very confusing to the point where you don't figure them out until way later. Mm-hmm. So, how old are you now, young man? Twenty-five. Well, yeah. I turned twenty-five January twenty-first. Yeah, but I'm yeah.
2: now. Man. Five yeah. years to thirty. I Damn. know. I know. But you know what's really oh. good?
0: My shirt's is about to go down.
1: Ah, <laughs> look at you. So
0: that's the plus. That's excellent. But what I would say now is that you're you know, knocking at the door to 25, and I bet you I can be correct when I say this, is that you know more about it and understand it better now than you did before, don't you? I do I do. So now you can see the value of what mom was trying to offer, right? Mm-hmm. And the older you get, the smarter mom gets, huh? Oh, yeah. yeah. That's all she's a smart Talk person
2: about. I know. <laughs> yeah, She's the smartest yeah. person I know. I definitely give my mom credit.
0: I, I love my mom to death, and she is the number one. Yeah. But it's sometimes without challenges in our life to make us value and respect and understand situations, sometimes they don't go in the direction you want them to go. Absolutely. So overall, if you were giving advice to a young man or a young woman, you know, who were a teenage and whatever, what would you say that they should watch out for, uh, you know, working with their parents to come up? What, what could help them to just pay attention to? Listen to your parents when it comes down to socializing because nothing's new. (laughs) Nothing's new
2: under the sun. So whenever your parents say they know something, they probably do know something about a social situation. Definitely listen to that. Uh, Another thing, too, listening to your parents is good. Definitely do that as well as do your own research, too, because not everyone's right. Sometimes it's best to inform both parties. And that was one thing that helped me with my mom, because my mom always had... uh, I like to be right and parent versus child the child's not gonna win in that but when it comes down to it if you're able to bring a point up like say you want a dog I for the longest time tried to get my mom to buy me a dog I had to bring up a point to her I had to make a PowerPoint and everything explain why I needed a dog in my life and you know what she was about to do buy me a husky it was the effort always be the one to initiate don't be afraid to ask your parents Little things, even big things, everything, you should always cooperate with your parents. But again, do your own research. Try to be
0: an independent because you can't have your parents forever. And I love that word negotiate. Um, it's an important factor in our lives. Honestly, you do it for pay raises. You do it for lots of different things in your life. So I'm glad that um, you you understood and recognized that early enough and you started to work on it. And I'm betting that you're better at it now. So what would you say to your moms? If there was one blanket statement you could offer her or statements to make her feel comfortable and resolved about you guys transition up to almost 25.
1: Hmm.
0: That's a deep thought. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what can I say to my mom?
2: Honestly, the only thing I can say is the thing that we've been saying to each other for all these years is I only got you and you only got me. <laughs> that's it that's the best thing when you really realize after my dad died you really realize who you have and my family is from the east coast and i was the only person really born in california i was the pretty much the baby of the family and realizing that at a young age you you find that there's you're gonna beef with your parents sometimes but me and my mom, we always had a good understanding. She definitely loves me, and she always tries to be open up. Some parents are like that. Some parents aren't. But would, if I had to say anything between me and my mom, i definitely say, you got me, and I got you. I always got your back, and you got mine. That's
0: beautiful. Support, man. That's what's up. Looking out for people who look out for you. Yeah, that's one. That's one credo that I definitely look out for. If you if you looking out for me, trust me, I got you twice. Exactly. Exactly. I like that. That's what's up. It's really I agree with that very, very much. And so now as we move on, we've talked about your childhood a little bit and we talked about your training in martial arts and relationship we have, et cetera. But, man, you, you uprooted and left California and moved to Oregon. Yeah. What was that transition like? I bet that was a piece of cake, too, wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> uh,
2: honestly, it was a little bit different uh, going there. Uh, initially, when we first uh, moved into my girlfriend's dad's house, we... I mean, she slept like a baby. I was up until, like, 3 o'clock in the morning. There's literally nothing, and I mean nothing, <laughs> out there. So you hear everything. You don't hear you can hear a bear crap in the woods. That's a, not a figure of speech up there. <laughs> and it was different. I definitely grew accustomed to it. But the one thing that I did appreciate, it felt like freedom. Mm. It mm. it felt like freedom. That's, mm. that's the best thing I can say. I was out on my own. Mm. I was doing my own thing. I had to grow up very, very, very quickly. I didn't have my mom as a support to rely on. I had a job, but my job didn't pay that much. And I had to fix my own car one time and I realized there was a point in time where I realized, wow, this is what it's like to be a full adult. When you have to fix your car and you don't have anybody to call, (laughs) you have to do your own research and you have to figure out what to do. And luckily, my girlfriend has really great support up there. So she did find people to help me. But originally, when I was doing it by myself, I was just like, man, this is hard. (laughs) This is not no joke. This is how people struggle. And I loved every bit of the struggle. I loved every bit of the struggle. There was a point in time, too, where uh, when I moved up there, my job was in uh, Springfield and we had lived in Oakland. That's an hour between. So I would work four days out of the week and we would pretty much be homeless for the four days out of the week. So we would work up there, pretty much sleep in my car and then work again, sleep in my car, work again or go to her mom's house and then, you know, sleep in my car and then we would go back home. That was going on for like a good four months, five months, and then we finally found a place and settled in and that's when everything started to go right again and at first I was really cloudy I almost wanted to give up I mean your first initial jump you know try again but don't give up that's the best advice I can always say it's just don't give up never quit (laughs) Ah, (laughs) never quit what a familiar phrase bro never quit and those words just kept ringing in my head so it became to a point where I didn't even have to doubt myself I just told myself never quit and I get up and do it, it didn't matter. I found my resources. It's funny too, because I found a lot of resources by just talking to people, and more people were really willing. Oregon's a great state, I have to say, first of all, really nice, beautiful people. And everyone was everyone was really nice, They they really help you. They do care about their community, and that's what I like, people that care people that care about people, because everyone thinks and has this notion that, oh, this person's going to be this way to me, or this person's going to be this way to me. And it's just like, I wish that we all had the joint consent that we can all live on this earth and we can all endure each other because no one's here forever. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we sometimes make each other have a harder time than we already do, it doesn't make sense because I don't think that was God's initial plan when he made us. I think, the initial plan was for us to work together and to form a great society and not fall or filter to the bs that we all end up getting caught up in i really feel that just by taking your mind away from not the city just taking your mind away from your normal life really changes your perspective because i had no perspective before other than what my four walls were and experiencing and going out in the world, driving, I love it. It's it's fantastic. I I can't even I can't even lie to the people. It's like do your own thing, explore, travel, go ahead and do those things that your brain tells you don't get out of your comfort zone, follow the wind. That's what you have to do. That's ultimately a good goal for any person. Once you get stuck, you get stuck. And then you wonder why you get depressed sometimes. And you wonder why life doesn't go the way you you want it to. You got to change and you have to be okay with change.
0: Boy, you dropping science today, ain't you? A little bit. (laughs) No, but honestly speaking, this is right in line with what I'm trying to promote with this broadcast. Is that, look, you have to extend yourself. You You have to... You have to expand your horizons. And you also, I think, benefit greatly by realizing that we human beings have more in common than we do apart. And we spend lots and lots of time fighting, arguing, perceiving that somebody's negative before we even give them a chance. Yeah. And then our first impressions or our first interactions with somebody, you know, you never get a second chance to make a first impression. And sometimes that impression is altered negatively because you don't give the relationship a chance. And that's wrong, I think. I think that we got to think more positively in order to get more positive. You can never accomplish anything. But I think in the opposite of what you want, if you want a great life, if you want to interact better with people, if you want to find new occupations, whatever. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. All right. Yes. So we on the same page on that. Definitely. (laughs) You did well in school. Right. Yeah. you Got some good grades and you uh, experimented with some of your talents. Uh, including uh, traditional martial arts And then we branched out You played around with capoeira as well You got a grand championship You moved up in rank You did a lot of good things You also also tried to spit some rap at one time too And if I remember correctly On some hey, of your sets hey. You was pretty good Let's say You got one freestyle left in you right now, Brian You got one left in you It's been a while Oh sure, no, no I freestyle nothing. all day but, nothing, but I'm going to save man. it for the next show That's, yeah, a, good okay, man, yeah, that's man, a good way Yeah, that's a good way to be invited all back all right, all right. Oh, that's a good one I like that so with that being said, um, what what industry are you in now? What are you doing for a profession right now? Currently, I'm in the cannabis industry in Oregon. Cannabis, bro. Yeah, that is a growing, booming industry right now. But I think a little misunderstood by people still. Definitely. And I think that it's interesting. Now you say you're in the industry. Is this legitimate? You're working for a legitimate organization. you doing stuff. Are you learning? Are you growing? What's up with that? You know, break it down. Tell us a little bit more about what you've learned about the cannabis industry. So currently, right now, I work at a higher ground. It's in uh,
2: Eugene, Oregon, off of 12th and High Street. If anybody wants to go and visit, please do. Be 21 of course, <laughs> and with a legal ID. Uh, but working in the industry is fantastic. Uh, I really like the fact that my boss required me to have knowledge before I entered. Uh, I went into my interview with only little knowledge. I knew THC. I knew CBD. Some people that don't know that um, THC is the thing that actually gets you high. Uh, Your T1 receptors that are in your brain react to THC. So that's the thing that actually gives you that fuzzy feeling when you do get high. Uh, And CBD is more of the medicinal, the uh, the anti-psyche traditional way of uh, just medicating yourself and not actually needing the THC to get you high some people look for one some people look for the other but working in the industry I get to help both sides and it's a miracle to see how much the plant actually helps people I have uh, medical patients that come in there and they tell me oh I need something to cure uh, my back problems and stuff like that I may not be able to cure your back problems but At least I can give you something to help with that. And that's really rewarding. I'm not into the medical field at all. I can't say that, you know, marijuana is the miracle flower. I definitely can tell you that there's one man that comes frequently, he needs CBD, and he says that he had cancer no longer has cancer anymore because he was using a healthy cbd regimen and i feel like cannabis nowadays it's like everyone looks at it how it was back in the day where you can get life by having just a gram reefer madness yes the reefer madness and contrary to what everyone says it's like if you really put hemp just hemp by itself as a usable material we would be saving so much money and everything you can use hemp to build houses you can use hemp to uh, to actually help people And the thing about it is, is that we still look at it as like you know oh it's just weed it's gonna get you high I don't want to get high you have to look not so much just at THC, but the broader spectrum. There's different cannabinoids that uh, follow that follow very good health regimens. Like there's this man, he uses a CBD, and then he also uses CBG. And this man actually helps. It helps with his. Uh, he has a what is it? Um, cancer in his stomach. I forgot exactly what the ailment was, but it helps him eat. It helps him sleep. It's able to actually help him with, uh, originally he said that he suffered from some virus that took away and stripped his um, um, immune system. So he had to take pills. There was a doctor that told him, you're not gonna make it no more than six months. And he said, that's BS. And he talked to other doctors, uh, natural herbalists, and then he ended up coming to the conclusion that CBD and CBG worked with him. And then he talked with his doctor Uh, to work out a plan for him to use some opiates and then also still some CBD and the man is off opiates now, completely off opiates. And then he has his own little regimen and what he does and it works for him and it's medicinal. You also can definitely hurt yourself if you're taking all these antibiotics because antibiotics ruin your liver and they also ruin your stomach. I actually met a person who smokes uh, medicinally and also smokes to have fun, but you shouldn't be criticized to have fun enjoying your medicine i feel like if you're enjoying anything you should enjoy life and that's the main purpose of life and if you're sick you're probably not enjoying life as much as you can just with a little bit of cbd i definitely feel it can help and cbd is definitely not going to get you high i have to totally disclaim that cbd is a mild um aspirin it's like using tylenol so is not going to ruin your liver <laughs> It's a nice anti-inflammatory. It definitely does help with cancer. I've read a, a article where they were talking about how CBD is supposed to be the miracle plant, and they're saying that CBD is just so good for the body and things like that. But not very, very many people know why CBD is good for the body. And I definitely want to become a biochemist chemist because of that. I want to know what in marijuana or just what in our earth that we need to live longer and prosper lives. The ultimate goal for me, at least when it comes down to the cannabis business, is to I'm not really all in it for the money. I have to have a money and a stable income because, you know, that's living in America. But the ultimate goal for me is to help that person that has joint pain, to help that person that has hip problems or knee problems. I have joint pains. I have knee pains. I'm getting older and I understand that, you know, if I if. Someone else is not going to take care of me. I have to take care of myself. So these are the steps that I'm taking. And I find... I don't feel like I'm working when I go to work. I really wake up and I'm just like eh, about to go sell some weed today. It's not bad. Help a few people, you know, have a good time. That's always what I go for. And I'm super happy working at higher ground because the dispensary that I work at, they give me really cool control because I'm my own person. Nobody hassles me about like, you know, oh, you need to do this. You can't smell like weed or anything like that. You. It's a real chill environment. We like people feeling welcome. We like treating you like family. We're just trying to help everyone, you know, get a little bit of medicated and live their lives. Nobody should be... Nobody should be harassed or nobody should feel bad for smoking marijuana when smoking marijuana is just like drinking a glass of wine. And it's a hell of a lot better than taking a shot, you know, taking a shot to relieve that pain, smoke a joint. And if you don't smoke it, you know, find Go to your local dispensaries and talk to people. I definitely tell people do their own research because what people tell you is just force fed you don't always know what it, what's true or not you have to go and make your own decisions and you have to go and do your own research and the more people that do their own research find out okay well you know there's certain opiates i don't actually need and you know i can use just thc a little bit of thc and a little bit of
0: cbd and i'll be fine wow so you see we just got the commercial for for canada <laughs> in, in in long form No, but seriously speaking, your point is well taken. I think research is recommended. Yes. I think being intelligent when you uh, use any substance whatsoever is very important. I think temperance, where you have a little bit of balance about what you do. And I think you can have a glass of wine or a drink or even a shot as well and enjoy yourself. But I really do think, though, that just having an intelligent approach to anything that's available for us in this world, including food for that matter. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So I I like how you present this, and it sounds like, you know, reminds me of Emerson toward the end of his essay. Whether by a healthy child, a garden patch, or a redeemed social condition, to know that even one life has breathed easier because you have lived. This is to have succeeded. When I hear you speaking about wanting someone to feel better and helping them have a quality of life. Sounds like to me that you may want to remain in this industry and grow with it and and do some more things. What's next for you?
2: I definitely do want to grow in the cannabis industry. I've been smoking weed for a long time. I mean, I've been smoking cannabis, too. But when I found out medicinally, it kind of was funny. I had another bartender that told me, why do you smoke weed? For me to actually think, why do I smoke weed? And Mm -hmm. I was just like, huh actually, that's a good question. I was just like, I don't really know why. While he was passing me the joint and he was just like, so why do you smoke weed? Like, what's your favorite? It's medicine. And I was just like, well, I smoke to get high. And he was just like, nah, man, you can't look at it like that. You're looking at it as like how they want you to look at it. It's medicine. Why are you smoking? And he made me ask the question, why am I smoking? So I took a little break and I questioned why I smoked. And then I realized why I smoke. And I found out that it helped with my anxiety. I definitely have anxiety in I never really knew it. But when after I smoke, I feel a lot more relaxed. I feel like I can actually tackle tasks and I don't have a problem. And it's never a bad thing, you know, just to alter perspective, because you you never know if you're looking at it closed minded or open
0: minded. And sometimes having an open minded thought is better than having a closed minded. That is a great transition to mental health and wellness. That's another topic that I really want to explore with this broadcast because I want people to get out of the proverbial closet. I want people to feel less and less anxiety about talking about their challenges and maybe they don't bug them so much. Yeah. You know, when you voice your own opinion about, um, your situation and some of the things you've been challenged with and your family situation growing up and all that, that's power. That's powerful to do that. That's not weakness. That's strength. And so if you can find tools to better handle that, it's a great thing. And everybody doesn't need to, you know. And I don't sm- use cannabis tenuous. as, a, yeah, exactly. Right. I don't use that as a crush because right. I can easily quit. I've done it
2: many times. And the thing that I've realized the most is that when I do come back to cannabis, it's just to help me relax because nobody would tell, but I'm very hot headed. I definitely do have my hot headed ways and I'm definitely ready to jump into a fight if need be. But when it comes down to it, though, I relax more knowing that I can just sit down, smoke a joint, and then just, you know, get on with my day. I don't have to be so uppity and I don't have that jitteriness anymore. I used to really be jittery and I used to always want to move, move, move. And now I'm
0: just really relaxed and my brain doesn't feel so racy anymore. So, you know, this has been an amazing journey. We could go on a long time and having you back, we're going to maybe explore this a little bit more but I think I'd like to go in the direction of the professionalism in all of this because you obviously had to interview for the job. Yeah. Right? You didn't just walk in and they say, yo dude, I smoke, get me the job. I thought it was gonna be like that. <laughs> and so what did you learn about the interview process so, and uh, grow from? What I really learned was that you have to know your
2: stuff in the industry. A lot of people, they think that smoking marijuana that's the ticket that can get you in but it's not just that there's a real science to it and when you treat marijuana with science and you have the two it becomes a beautiful thing because then you realize that okay this is not just a s- controlled substance this is actually something that well for one when they're doing the test results you're it's being tested it's it has results you know what you're smoking there's no pesticides. Sometimes you don't even know what you're getting from other people. There's a lot of professionalism that I do appreciate in the legalization of cannabis. Mm -hmm. And not a lot of people know how to grow. And the fact of the matter is, if you don't know what you're ingesting, if you don't know what you're smoking, that's just as bad as
0: putting poison in your mouth. It really is. So Let me ask you something else that I just thought of. What about age specific stuff? Meaning that because you're a proponent of the qualities of cannabis. Should we just get a kid smoking at 10 or, or no. 12 or whatever? So should there be some order to that so that they wait their turn and then we approach it in a way that says, while it's like anything else, you don't need a little kid, you know, starting out getting high just to, just because it's there. Shouldn't we have a sense of order about it? I definitely agree there should be a sense of order, but the way that we should do the order personally for me is
2: if you talk to your children about what the controlled substances are. And that's the best way to let them know that, you know, don't do this and don't do that. And if you do come to me and I'm not saying you have to tell your kids, oh, yeah, smoke a joint with me. It'll be fine. No, I'm not saying that. I'm definitely saying that you should tell your children about the dangers of it. So that way their friends don't invite them thinking that it's okay. because you never know. A person may end up handling handing your son or daughter some crystal meth and they're smoking it, Mm -hmm. thinking that it's just regular marijuana that I've heard of situations where it's happening. It's scary. That's what causes mental breakdowns and. I just really feel if like my mom, she definitely made a good example for me because she showed me what marijuana was. She told me not to touch it. She told me if I smell this, I should walk away and that I should not be around people that do it. And that gave me an idea of, okay, this is bad for me. I know that there's a reason why it's bad for me, but I shouldn't do it because of what? Now that's where you have, that's where the experimenting comes in and definitely changed my perspective. I've never done like hard drugs. I've only stuck with marijuana because I felt that worked for me. It came from the ground. It's not being produced in a lab. I know exactly what I'm getting now. And it's since the legalization, it's been a great thing because people know what they're getting. And I feel like that knowledge is power. Knowing what you're getting, knowing what you're putting in your body is 100% healthier than not knowing what you were putting in before. And that's what I appreciate.
0: That's my love for the cannabis industry. (laughs) Well, very, very interesting. Uh, I think that uh, this, this that answer the question. (laughs) Yeah, it does. But this session with us today has been very um, informational, I think, but it's been passionate and directional too, because it sounds like you have an idea about where you're heading. It sounds like you have an open channel for development and growth in your head so that you're letting in new information, new learning, new studies, new growth, new development. And I can vouch for you as far as your fitness level and your your investment in working hard uh, on your athleticism and on your, your life development. So I really do think that what you're expressing here is a well-rounded human being, you That's know, right. a solid citizen, citizen. Uh, a positive man, a grown man That's right. So you Definitely. know, as we get to the end of our broadcast here for now, uh, and we'll circle back uh, going forward. I'd like to give you the last word to speak to folks about you know what you'd like them to know about you in closing. And um, and so go ahead. The mic is yours. I like for people to know that.
2: I'm the nicest guy. I'm never gonna steer you wrong. I believe in teamwork to the hundred percent. If you got a team going, you got a purpose and everything's you got things going your way, definitely I will support that. I just want people to really I just want people to have the same love and aspiration for each other that, you know, I carry for you, Sensei. Um, And that's the thing. People people, you know, I feel like people nowadays they like to say words like, Oh, I love you dude and this and that, but what's really love. We break it down like, oh, yeah, you do this for that person. You do that for that person. But just having that support, that's the minor detail that some people just forget that having that support is just nice. Like someone out of many knows that one person to tell you, yes, yes, you should go do that. And now it's funny because uh, I tell younger generations, I feel like that old timer like, oh, yeah, young bruh, (laughs) you got to do this, do that, do this. But it, it really goes back to sharing knowledge with people that at that age I wasn't familiar with and I really feel knowledge should be free and as the living the human experience we should share it with each other there should nothing should be hidden from each other if you want to know how to do something you should be able to ask that person and I would hope that they would teach you teach a man to fish teach him how to live for life that literally that's his food supply he then knows how to do that and then for that person that doesn't know how to do that they learned how to do that and that creates a positive cycle that creates a completely positive cycle and that's a beautiful thing when community works together black white hispanic asian blue green red it doesn't matter as long as we can just sit down and we can all share ideas we may not always
0: agree, but we can agree to disagree. And I bet you I'm right about this. You know, it's been said that peace is not the absence of conflict, but the ability to cope with it. The reason I like what you're saying is because I know you get down. See, I know you know how to take care of yourself. Well, see, there's the beauty. We don't walk around trying to box everybody. Huh. We, we we walk around trying to be professional, trying to make a contribution, trying to make others lives better. If anything, I try to teach more than I try to fight. It's exactly right.
2: And karate. Done too. Karate is a beautiful thing. Karate I really needed in my life. And because of karate, I I'm more stable of a person. I don't know where I would have been. I definitely needed karate it was it was in my soul yes, it was definitely in my soul and i met the right person and uh, i appreciate uh, that every well, day we got boxing and wrestling in there too so we uh we touched it didn't we oh yeah I, i'm so, so glad yeah, when i tell so. people about my uh gym that i come from yes, i'm like i'm from Bay. we we <laughs> trained in antioch we're known
0: <laughs> all throughout the bay nah, good stuff, and i love your, your reference to the fish you know give a man a fish and he'll eat for a day mm-hmm. teach him how to he'll eat forever yes a lifetime that's a great way to close this session right now ladies and gentlemen may i say that it was a tremendous pleasure to have mr garrett sullivan here today and to share his time and effort and wisdom and honesty with us and this is what we want to do we just want to have real people trying to move this needle forward so on behalf of hma hma baby (laughs) round 12 my family and your family, brother. Appreciate I appreciate Thank you very much for coming. Thank, thank you. you. You're very welcome. All right, baby. Outstanding. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for tuning in once again. And may you live as long as you want and never want as long as you live. May the worst days of your future be like the best days of your past. And may you continue to be strong and focused and resilient going forward. And for now, until the next episode, Time.